like a soldier diving into a foxhole. Immediately, my phone buzzed. On the readout, I saw it was my friend Larry Bernard. He was only two cubicles away, but knew if he came to me in person, it would signal others in the newsroom to crowd around and ask the obvious. Reporters work best in packs. I put on my headset and picked up the call. Hey, Jack! So what did Kramer want? You know what he wanted, Larry. I'm out. Holy fucking shit! Do you have to clear out right now? No, I've got two weeks. They gave me extra time if I agreed to train my replacement. Larry was silent as he considered the humiliation. But to me, two weeks' pay was two weeks' pay. And besides, the two weeks would give me time to say proper goodbyes to those in the newsroom and on the beat who deserved them. I considered the alternative of being walked out the door by security with a cardboard box of personal belongings even more humiliating. So who's your replacement? Angela Cook. Figures. The cops are going to love her. Larry was a friend, but I didn't want to be talking about all this right now. I needed to be thinking about my options. Oh, man, we got to get drunk tonight. I am, for sure. He blurted out a last question. Did he say what number you were? Of course. He wanted to know what his own chances were of surviving this latest round of corporate bloodletting. He said how hard it was to make the last choices. He said I was 99. Two months earlier, the newspaper announced that 100 employees would be eliminated from the editorial staff in order to cut costs. So my tip is to keep your head down, Larry. I hit the disconnect button. I had to concentrate on finishing a short on the arrest of a suspect in a murder-for-hire plot uncovered by the Los Angeles Police Department's Robbery Homicide Division. Then I could disappear from the newsroom and head to the bar to toast the end of my career in daily journalism, because that's what it was. There was no newspaper out there in the market for an over-40 cop shop reporter. Not when they had an endless supply of cheap labor baby reporters like Angela Cook, minted fresh every year at USC and Medill and Columbia, all of them technologically savvy and willing to work for next to nothing. Like the paper and ink newspaper itself, my time was over. It was about the Internet now. It was about hourly uploads to online editions and blogs. It was about television tie-ins and Twitter updates. It was about filing stories on your phone instead of using it to call rewrite. The morning paper might as well be called the Daily Afterthought. Everything in it was posted on the web the night before. My phone buzzed. The caller ID said Velvet Coffin. I had to admit I was shocked. I knew Larry could not have gotten the word out that fast. The caller was Don Goodwin, self-appointed watchdog and chronicler of the inner workings of the L.A. Times. I just heard, he said. How? I found out myself less than five minutes ago. Come on, Jack. You know I can't reveal. But I've got the place wired. You just walked out of Kramer's office. You made the 30 list. The 30 list was a reference to those who had been lost over the years in the downsizing of the paper. 30 was the old-time newspaper code for end of story. Goodwin himself was on the list. He had worked at the Times and was on the fast track as editor until a change of ownership brought a change in financial philosophy. When he objected to doing more with less, he was cut down and ended up taking one of the first buyouts offered. That was back when they offered substantial payments to those who would voluntarily leave the company, before the media company that owned the Times filed for bankruptcy protection. 
Goodwin took his payout and set up a website and a blog that covered everything that moved inside the Times. He called it thevelvetcoffin.com, as a grim reminder of what the paper used to be, a place to work so pleasurable that you would easily slip in and stay till you died. With the constant changes of ownership and management, the layoffs and the ever-dwindling staff and budget, the place was now becoming more of a pine box, and Goodwin was there to chronicle its fall. His blog was avidly read by everybody in the newsroom, though I wasn't sure much of the world beyond the bomb-proof walls of the Times even cared. The Times was going the way of all journalism, and that wasn't news. Even the New York by God Times was feeling the pinch caused by the shift of society to the Internet for news and advertising. The stuff Goodwin wrote about amounted to little more than rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. But in another two weeks, it wouldn't matter.